I'm Stephen Crafty and this is Talking Design, a fortnightly podcast on all things design, sponsored by RMIT University in Melbourne, Australia. And I'll be coming to you on a fortnightly basis and we'll be interviewing leading designers from Australia and overseas and talking on a broad range of issues from architecture, design, decorative arts, fashion, fashion illustration, contemporary jewellery, you name it, we'll talk about it. Today I'm here with Margaret Gardner, Vice-Chancellor of RMIT University in Melbourne, Australia, and today we're going to talk about a project that I'm very excited about, RMIT's new design hub. The design hub in Swanson Street, Melbourne, is a new building by Sean Godsell, architect Sean Godsell, and it's an extraordinary building that will slowly take shape in the next few months. It'll bring together a number of design disciplines under the one roof, and it's a very, very exciting project. So I'm here with Margaret Gardner, Vice-Chancellor of RMIT University in Melbourne, and she'll be talking a little bit about what we can expect. Well, the Design Hub uh, is, in its simplest form, a new building. But it is really what that building represents that's so important, not just for RMIT, but I think for design research, because it is indeed a building for design research. And over its um, many stories, it has the capability of bringing together design researchers and postgraduate students in design in cross-cutting transdisciplinary design teams, as well as working in their particular fields and concentrating on design research. The building is designed to maximise that sort of interaction across design disciplines. It's designed to be a place for design researchers and postgraduate students in design. It's designed to be a vibrant place where industry can also come and be engaged. And apart from the unique design of the building to bring these researchers together, it has two other features. It has a capacity to display to show the practice of design and design research to the world, both through its gallery, but also through a series of long rooms over eight storeys. It also has a design archive that can preserve the materials of earlier designers and allow people to contemplate past practice as well as engage in future research and practice. So, Margaret, what do you think this will do for the position of RMIT in Melbourne as a design centre? I think it allows RMIT to demonstrate publicly the strength of its design, both its breadth and its depth. And for RMIT as a university, it provides us with a unique place in which to press the boundaries of design research by bringing so many design researchers together instead of having them isolated in separate research groups in separate places. Here in this building large numbers are able to congregate together and it provides a focal place to bring researchers together not just to research but to hold conferences and seminars to display what they're doing to bring international researchers and practitioners in. I think it's that ability of place to provide a space for community to form and reform itself in different ways 
and to explore new ideas, I think that's the exciting possibility of this building. RMIT is quite unique in terms of it is very broad in its design approach. So it covers everything from architecture through to uh, furniture, decorative arts, contemporary jewellery, fashion. I mean, fashion has a you know a very important place in the university. That's quite unique uh, for RMIT. Um, it's something that uh, is it a worldwide trend that's been happening over many years, or is it something that you think is going to get stronger? Uh, where do you think is it? Where do you think it's placed at the moment? This cross-disciplinary focus. RMIT has been lucky that it has had, from its beginnings, quite a breadth of activity and research and practice in design, and it has built that. Um, involvement, both its breadth and its depth over a long period of time. This isn't common among universities, but there are universities that specialise in this space overseas in Europe and the United Kingdom and uh, the United States. And RMIT has links with a number of those. Um, the Parsons School of Design in New York comes to mind, University of Arts London. And these are places whose sole focus typically is design and arts, and they tend to have a similar breadth. What I think we're seeing happening in the field of design is in the region around us, uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, China, is an awakening interest in design. So I think we will see universities either specialised entirely in design, as they are in Europe, or perhaps adding design to their focus in that region, and that the, the focus on design research and design practice will grow in the world. It will not be declining. I think we can expect to see real growth in this field in the years to come. Margaret, what also do you think uh, this broad approach does to the designer at the end of the day? What does it actually bring? What, what strength do you think it creates? Well, I, I think being, being practising in so many fields... Uh, does two things. One, of course, you get probably what the first thing people think about and the most obvious, that when you get cross-fertilisation across fields, you get new possibilities. And certainly the way um, fields approach their, their practice has changed dramatically. Uh, architecture's link with the computer and with the digital space has, has changed dramatically, of course, as everybody's engagement with the digital space has changed. And so now where you might say, oh, well, there was a field called creative media and there were fields called digital design, in fact, is there a boundary between architecture and these fields? Well, probably not in the way there once would have been. And that is true, that cross-cutting transdisciplinary approach to design is true. Where does sound fit? Where, where is the field of sound in, in design? Where does it fit? What, what does landscape architecture look like now compared to what it looked like 20 years ago? So cross-cutting approaches take you into new fields, make people rethink both their practice and the possibilities of their practice. That's a real advantage. But the second thing is, oddly, a reinforcement of fundamentals. 
Once upon a time at RMIT, everybody did drawing because to draw was a way of visualising the world that was common to a range of design disciplines. That remains true. It may be that you do that drawing in the traditional way we understand it or that it comes enhanced by digital techniques, but the common threads of what it takes to conceive uh, and execute a plan, which is the fundamentals of design, when you have many fields, they have to come to an understanding of what these are and you enrich what I'd call the basic understandings of design, basic techniques, by in fact having so many fields together. One thing that's interesting for the architect, Sean Godsall, who was mm. responsible for the design hub, how challenging was it for him to actually come up with a scheme that's going to satisfy all the different disciplines? It must have been incredibly difficult. Um, there was a very uh, extensive set of discussions before um, Sean Godsall produced the design for the Design Hub and that went to how are we going to both encourage and express the possibilities of design research and practice in the building. So that was a big consultation. That consultation has never stopped. There has been a rolling conversation about the nature of the building, the uses of the building, the way it will operate, because even over the time from its initial conception to its design to now its construction, and it will be finished uh, this year in 2011, just the way people undertake design in their fields has changed. The equipment they need, the way they might work together has changed. And so that building has not just been a process of conversation in order to conceive and execute a plan which will then be built, but in fact has been a really interesting demonstration of what the real vibrancy of design is. Design is a very short chain in research from the idea to the conception and this is an example of how the change in practice in terms of research uh, is integrated in the conversation, not just about what the building is now as a building built form, but how it will be used. So it's obviously not going to be a static building, it's no. going to be evolving as people's needs change and different, different requirements come about. It was designed in fact to be highly flexible. It was designed with the notion that the floors would have a kit of parts and that groups of researchers could come together and draw from from um, stores the furniture that was needed for that scale of group and that type of activity and the floors are very open and can be configured and reconfigured and this was an attempt to say it isn't a design building unless it's a vibrant constantly changing fluid building and a transparent building where you can see what's going on. Margaret, the other thing I was going to ask you, what do you think are the main challenges for designers? I am not a designer, and it would be better that a designer answered that than, than I. Or well, challenges am, for the university. I am, I am, I am merely an interested observer of those wonderfully creative people who are designers. Um, I think that there are um, a series of exciting challenges which are opportunities. So the first thing is... When 
you are um, an educational institution. On the one hand, you are um, providing programs that, for example, people become accredited as architects or landscape architects or have developed the skills to be able to practice in graphic design or in fashion, the like. To have educational programs that both give people the, the abilities to fulfil those programs, but that also give them the opportunities to think about a future that we can't imagine. That's a real challenge in education. Researchers, of course, have the room to imagine and to play and to think about new things, but to take that excitement of the research and new boundaries of practice and to make that available for students in the way you design their studios or the opportunities you give them for projects or the way you think about the curriculum, that is a constant challenge. You have to be taking the, the fundamentals of design and, and being prepared to be creative and innovative on a pretty continuous basis and that is a challenge, always. The other thing I was going to ask you, Margaret, is what do you, um, in terms of this program, Talking mm. Design, what do you see as one of the main goals? spreading the word about design generally in, in Australia? Or... Um, I, I think it's important that we have a way uh, of talking with designers so that people are able to reflect on their practice, on the possibilities for the future, on the challenges that are before them so that we have a conversation that isn't just the conversation of the people who are in the room at any given time. I mean, these podcasts are a way of taking a conversation and a set of possibilities to a broader group of people. And that must always be the object of a university and its research, that it takes its research and the best of its practice out to as wide an audience as possible this is one way of doing that. Margaret, thank you so much for talking to me today, for um, talking design. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Stephen.